Hey everybody, my name is Abby and welcome to Meet My Monsters! Hey everybody, it's me back in the hip hoppity hizze and... Yes, I'm making another bunny joke with hip hopity. But anyways, you're just going to have to bear with me today because I'm incredibly tired. I had a very late night last night because of work and then a very early morning once again because of work. <laughs> See, I'm already like slurring a bit there. But yeah, no, don't get me wrong. I'm super grateful that I've still got a job in this weird, weird time that we live in. But still, I'm just basically just saying bear with me. But yeah, guys, hey, I hope that everybody's had a great week so far. Okay, I remember what I wanted to say. So, um, I feel like I've come across a massive conspiracy theory here, because I probably haven't, but <laughs> in my head, it's good enough to be one. So, um, Not Another Teen Movie recently came onto Netflix here in South Africa. It was released this week, and when I was younger, it was one of my guilty pleasures, just those stupid slapstick comedies so naturally I watched it again and then like I was watching it and I was like what the hell I had no idea that Margot Robbie was in this movie so I was like what the frick so like I googled um the cast or no first I googled Margot Robbie and I went to her um you know like when you can see the tv shows and films and whatever that they've starred in and it wasn't there so I was like hmm Maybe she was a bit embarrassed by starring in that. And then I saw the like release dates of Not Another Teen Movie. And I was like, wait, 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 wait now. If Margot Robbie was actually Priscilla in that movie, she would have been 11. <laughs> and there's no way Priscilla was 11. Unless Margot Robbie developed super early. But no, she didn't. Turns out Priscilla... No, not Priscilla, sorry. That is the character in the movie, but... Jamie Presley, the chick who played Priscilla, um, who was also in Joe Dirt and all of those good things, she looks exactly like Margot Robbie, everybody. Has anyone else ever noticed that? Like, it really freaking disturbed me. I was just like, what the hell? They're like the same person. So, like, I looked into this and I saw on Board Panda that there was actually like a whole article dedicated to it. And it said, fans don't even recognize them apart. And I was like, well, yeah, because they're the same person. <gasps> so anyways, my theory is Priscilla, Priscilla Presley. Listen to me. I want to call her Elvis's wife. Um, my theory is that Jamie Presley is a time traveler and she came back to redeem her acting career because she made questionable choices. <laughs> and then she came back as Margot Robbie and now she is amazing. But nonetheless, anyways, guys, that's my little rant for the week. I just thought it was super flippin' interesting. I had no idea they looked the same. And the weird thing was, you know, I've watched Meet Joe Dirt, you know. I never, ever thought anything of it until now that I was like, what? Anyways. So, this week, we are going to be doing our firstest ever non-cryptid. So, it's actually a humanoid slash ghoulie kind of thing that we're going to be doing 
Um, so there's a, a lot of speculation as to what this thing actually is, but we will get into the nitty gritty of it because this week we are doing the Virginia Bunny Man. Um, also, just a heads up, this is basically just one big flippin' trigger warning because it's it's a pretty gruesome flippin' tale. Um, I'm even recording recording it recording it earlier than I usually do. So usually I'll start recording my potty at about eight o'clock at night. But this story just like scared the living daylights out of me. Like all the skin crawls. So yeah, I just <laughs> I decided to record at six PM when it's still lights out a little bit. So mm. anyways guys, let's get straight into it. It is the turn of the twentieth century. 1904 to be exact. Rain buckets down beyond the thin panes of glass encapsulated in the asylum bus's windows. In the dark of the cold, wet night, lie an unruly bunch of passengers. The bus is filled with some of the most dangerous patients the Clifton Asylum has ever seen. The men within this vehicle have committed some of the most heinous, unspeakable acts imaginable. All of the passengers on this bus have been deemed criminally insane. The patients are being transported to the nearby Lawton prison. As the bus winds its way down the slippery Virginia roads, the driver suddenly loses control of the vehicle. The bus spins out of control and suddenly begins to roll. Glass shatters wildly as bodies are flung about like ragdolls. Eventually, the metal shell comes to a rest. Most of the passengers, as well as the driver, are dead. It is absolute carnage. And still, the rain persists. It buckets relentlessly on the survivors who quickly disappear like shadows into the tree line. The following morning, officials make their way to the accident scene. For some, the sight is too ghastly to bear. Okay guys, so now I've got a little side note in here. So like I said, when I was doing this research, I was just like, I was on the edge of my seat, biting all the nails and I was like, <laughs> So as I was writing this, that particular part, the, the following morning, officials make their way to the accident scene. Da, da, da. Um, <laughs> at that very moment in my complex, some woman let out this like horrific scream, like this bone chilling, blood curdling scream. And then a cat screeched and then my dogs went ballistic. I was like, what the hell trifecta? <laughs> So yeah, it was like the elements were just like spook, spook, motherfucker. But anyways. Bodies flung wildly about, blood splatters lacing the surrounding roads and walls. All wreckage beyond imagination lies before the eyes of the officers. The bus had smashed into a small bridge, one which trains frequently pass over. This just adds to the eeriness of the entire setting. Every once in a while, the faint whistle of the hourly train and its methodical clacking along the rails can be heard drawing nearer in the distance. The few who can no longer stand the thought of reporting what they see before them volunteer to fan out and search the woods for the missing convicts. Hours pass as the officers comb meticulously through the trees. In drips and drabs, various patients are returned back to the bus site, all of which go into wild fits upon the site of the bus wreckage. The officers gathered to count the patients. Amidst, amidst the languageless coos and screeches of the patients, they realize two are still unaccounted for. 
Marcus Wolster and Douglas J. Griffin are yet to be found. A small group of officers are left to search the woods once again, while the rest of the force escorts the rattled inmates to their final destination. As the day turns to the deepening shadows of night, the remaining officers begin to feel a looming awareness of something watching them. They were not alone in the woods, and their companion was in no way benign. This spooked the officers sufficiently to call it a day and make their way back to the station. They reasoned amidst themselves that the morning light would give them better visibility to search with. However, had they known what the morning held for them, they would have gladly continued the night before. Once more, the men set out through the woods, this time with more officers afoot to help. Suddenly, from the party nearest the bridge, a guttural shriek can be heard as an officer stumbles across what seems to be a scene straight from a horror film. Hung in the trees around him are several rabbits. All have been skinned and mutilated. However, the most disturbing thing about this scene is that each rabbit has had flesh torn from it by what officers can make out as human bite marks. The officer sinks to his knees, clutching his head in his hands. When his comrades begin to join him, murmurs of disgust ripple through the crowd. One man vomits to the right, another lets out a gasp and clutches his mouth. However, this was merely the appetizer of visual assaults to come. As the men made their way through the sea of dangling rabbits, back towards the bridge meeting point, they stopped dead in their tracks. Hanging before them was the lifeless corpse of what would later be identified as Marcus Wolster. The flayed man dangled before their eyes, his body utterly mutilated, disemboweled and bitten. As the men looked on in horror, their eyes grew wider when they realized the missing chunks of flesh were once again caused by human teeth marks. Cries of anguish ring out from the group as none can make sense of this. An officer suddenly cries out, There's a note! To their disbelief, the men see that tied to the foot of the hanging corpse is a small, neatly written note which reads, You'll never find me, no matter how hard you try. Signed, The Bunny Man. Police then realize the horror story being written right before their eyes. Douglas J. Griffin was still very much alive. Days passed, Douglas remained missing. However, some officers report that when they had ventured into the woods, they had heard maniacal laughter following them as they went. Later, officers discover the reason for Douglas Griffin's admission into the asylum. On Easter Sunday in 1902, something flipped in Griffin. He made his way from the family dinner table to the shed outside the house. Perplexed, his family sat in awe of their father abandoning them. Suddenly, Griffin re-emerged with a wooden-handled hatchet in hand. He began to swing wildly, tearing flesh from bone and limb from child. Screams filled the dining room. However, they were drowned out by the eerie, maniacal laughter emitting from Douglas as he swung. Neighbors rushed to the home, horrified by what they heard, but the visual far outweighed the audio. All of Griffin's children were slain, along with his wife of 10 years. Griffin looked to the neighbors with a mad grin spreading across his bloodied face, beckoning him with his hatchet. Being a much larger man, the neighbor tackled Griffin to the floor, disarming him and knocking him unconscious. His wife, bereft with grief, screamed to her children not to come a single step closer and hurried them back towards their home. Upon learning this, 
The officers are thoroughly shook. They now understand the urgency which they need to find Griffin with. However, it's too late. A hysterical woman has just called in a double homicide, and the scene of the crime is none other than the Bunnyman Bridge. As the officers reluctantly walk towards the scene, one bursts into floods of tears upon the sight. Two small girls can be seen swaying lifelessly from the bridge, as their small bodies sway back and forth, governed by the thin ropes hovering above their heads like golden twine. That same madman laughter can be heard cackling from behind them. The officers quickly turn and see a man darting away into the thick of the wood. Desperate not to lose him, the team takes off in a rush. You can't catch me! The words ring through the trees, almost taunting the officers as they run towards the crazed man. Suddenly, they realize they have made a full circle as they see Griffin standing on the train tracks above the bridge. The man is standing, waving at them, cackling at the top of his lungs. The officers are alarmed by the sound of oncoming train. Its horn blares in an attempt to ward the criminal off the tracks. The officers speed up in a desperate attempt to get the man before the train does, but neither win. The train smashes into the man, his cackles being the last thing left ringing in the devastated officer's ears. These are the devastatingly traumatic origin tales of the Virginia Bunny Man. They are also 150 bil- blah, blah, blah. <laughs> There I am, hey guys. They are also 150 billion million cabazillion percent fake. Yes, I wrote all of that. But goodness, I had a time writing them. It was fun. <laughs> well, not fun. I mean, like, it was, yeah, it was fun. Let me put it that way. But yes, folks, my spooky fireside story was an amalgamation of many bunny man origin tales, which I decided to blend into one. However, these were all disproved by the vigorous work and years of research put into this topic by one Brian A. Conley. So now we're going to go through why this origin story of the bunny man is complete hokum based on what Brian has managed to find through the years. So first off, the prisoner patients were, yeah, prisoner slash patients, I don't know what to call them because they're criminally insane, yet they're in an asylum, blah, 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 blah. So they were in transit in 1904, as the story goes. And they were heading for Lawton Prison. Okay. Lawton Prison was only built in 1910. So they were six years too early, basically. Next, the Fairfax, uh, the Fairfax Clifton area never ever once in its life had an asylum. <laughs> well, at least back in that day. I don't know. Maybe they've got an asylum now for all the crazy people with the bunny man stories. But... They never had an asylum back then. Um, okay, one of the most notable pieces of the Bunnyman origin is by Timothy C. Forbes. And in his version of the story, while it all seems very plausible, he states that all of his facts can be verified in the old Clifton Library. Once again, never in the history of ever has that library existed. It can't be found. It's not there. Sorry for you, Timothy C. Forbes. Good try. Finally... Um, and probably the most pertinent part of all of the facts in disproving the bunny man origin story, Douglas J. Griffin never existed. So some of the um, the names used in various accounts of the bunny man origins are actually real and they were prisoners, not mental patients, but you know they were real criminally insane prisoners. 
Um, but Douglas J. Griffin wasn't one of them. And he actually was never a person because there's no records of this human being anywhere in Virginia at that time. So there we go. No one murdered their family on Easter with a hatchet. Nobody murdered kids. No one bit rabbit corpses. That makes me happy. Um, but yes. However, even though the origin tales of the bunny man are all hokum, the story became alive in its own right. For years, and I mean years like to this day, so from 1904, over a century worth of ghost stories exist, basically, of the bunny man. Um, so yeah, there's just years of stories about this thing hanging around the, the bridge area. Um, so to this day, it is said that if you walk under the bridge on Halloween night, you will meet the same grisly end as Marcus Wolster. However, not all tales of the bunny man are false. So this is where things get juicy, juicy, guys. Um, yeah, without further ado, cue the 70s. My favorite time. Now, this is where things get both groovy and trippy as fuck. <laughs> so the Cumberland News released an article on no other day than October the 31st, 1970. Also, guys, I just need to put in that they weren't the only paper to release a news story on Halloween of 1970. There were a couple other local papers that did a similar story to this one that I'm about to read you. But the um, sorry, the title of the article read "Bunny Man Has Hatchet in Virginia." So I'm actually going to read you the full clipping of this article because it wasn't actually that long, which is quite disappointing. But nonetheless, Fairfax, Virginia, hatchet-wielding bunny man is creating conversation among Fairfax County, Fairfax County Police authorities. He now has struck twice in two weeks. A security guard at a new housing development under construction in this Washington, D.C. suburb told police that he came upon a man clad in a white bunny suit with floppy ears whacking away at a porch post of one of the unfinished houses Thursday night. When the guard approached, he said the Alice in Wonderland figure warned, You are trespassing. If you come any closer, I'll chop your head off. Whereupon the man hippity hopped off into a nearby woods. A man in identical dress was reported as having startled an Air Force Academy cadet and his fiancée two weeks ago while they, parked in, hmm? yeah, while they parked in a car in the area. He smashed the window of the auto, told the couple they were trespassing, then vanished. The bunny man has been described as in his 20s and about 5 feet 8 inches tall in his bare paws. End newspaper clipping so clearly this writer wasn't too enthused about this story not nearly as much as i was but what he left out was um when it says that a couple was attacked by this bunny person man um basically they were sitting canoodling in their car as young people did back then and out popped this rabbit thing it yelled you trespassing no 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 and it had a hatchet in its hand so it had an axe and this is what smashed the window because the freaking crazy bunny rabbit man thing child just threw the axe straight at the couple, smashed into the windscreen. Thank God it didn't hit either one of them. But yeah, so that's how the windscreen broke. 
So the couple claimed the man had been wearing a bunny suit. However, in recollection, the cadet reported later that the bunny head of the suit actually looked a bit like the white um, caparote worn by the KKK. You know that pointy hat thing? Yeah, so it looked, that's what the oak said, that it actually looked like that. Um, so after his, if you can call it, two-week-long crime spree, two crimes in two weeks, <laughs> the bunny man had later called into the police department and told the cops that he was unhappy with the current development encroaching on his woods. So he was like, your damn developments are getting into my woods, man. Um, he agreed to meet with the police at the Colchester Bridge on Halloween. However, he was a no-show. Are we surprised? Not one damn iota. But nonetheless, to this day, that particular bunny man still is unknown. So naturally, after the article of the bunny man was released, rumors began to fly. Was this bunny man Douglas Griffin back from the grave? Teens flocked to the Colchester Bridge, which had then, and still to this day, has been dubbed as the bunny man bridge. They did so in hopes of catching a glimpse of the mad hatchet-wielding bunny man spectrum. Now why they did this, I don't know, to be quite frank. You know, just between you, me and the wall, I'm the kind of person who tends to like staying away from serial killers. <laughs> I'm not going to go out and try to find them. Maybe I will be, um, I'll do like a silence of the lamb situation where he's in a glass case and guards are very nearby. And I'll, I'd actually love to do that with a serial killer and just sit with him and be like, what is wrong with you? Tell me what's going on in your head. But am I going to go look for them out in the wilderness where they've got a hatchet and I've got, I don't know, faith and hope? No. Um, so now we get to that fantastical part of what does Abby think this monster is? Um, this is, yeah, this is a tough one. So is it a ghost of a mentally unstable lunatic on the prowl once more? Was the bunny man always a specter? Is he nothing more than a campfire story made up by one horror-infused mind to scare people silly? Because if, you know, if he's that, then kudos to whoever made this story in the beginning because it has genuinely shooketh me to the core. So personally, this is my little opinions on the bunny man. Personally, I think the bunny man is a combination of a great folklore tale and an actional... Actional? <laughs> Guys, I need to go to bed after this frack, man. But yeah, so I think that Bunny Man is a combination of folklore and an actual unstable person. So the legend of the Bunny Man, the 1904 turn of the century legend, is brilliant. Horrifically brilliant is what I wrote here. But yeah, I, that's all I think it is. It's a horrifically brilliant concoction. But the 70s Bunny Man, I don't think is a ghost. I think it was a real loon on the loose. So just a really, really, really disturbed youth who possibly was part of an uncouth white supremacist group of nitwits. Like, that's just going to level with you. <laughs> that's my thoughts on the matter. Maybe, you know, maybe he wasn't even part of the KKK. Maybe he was just like a, a very, very unstable person, you know, running around terrorizing the town. Who knows? And then his family heard about what he'd done and then admitted him to the then existing asylum I don't, no, I don't know but I, I definitely think that that bunny man was real and that was just a, a very very highly unstable person 
However, even though I'm saying now that I think it's folklore plus a real person who's probably dead now. Um, that being said, there's no ways, no ways in hell you will catch me anywhere near that bridge on any given evening, let alone specifically October the 31st. So maybe it's paranormal after all. Maybe I'm letting the legend get the better of me, but no, 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 no. And again, nobody, nope, the fuck, no, thanks. But this has been a spooky hoot in a hole, folks. If you want to stay in touch with me this week, you can do so by following me on Instagram, which is meet underscore my underscore monsters. You can hit me up on the Twitter, which is meet monsters. You can drop me a Gmail, um, which is meetmymonsterspotty at gmail.com. And you can go check out my website, guys, which is meetmymonsters.com. But nonetheless, I hope that you guys are having a fantastic week and you're going to have an awesome weekend. And that's all from me. So, bye!